Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, 2-0 at halftime against Spurs. Rom's really sorry. We look ahead to the start of Chelsea's FA Cup campaign. And the quiz is back. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts. And ad-free on The Athletic, this is straight out of Cobham. Hello listener, it's the second of our weekly shows. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Joining me to talk through everything Chelsea are The Athletics' Liam Toomey. Hello. Turns out Tottenham were ready to suffer. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be doing a lot more of that. Sam Parkin's also with us. Morning, Sam. Morning, Matt. Right, we're recording just hours after the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final against Spurs, so we'll reflect on that next. Emerson Royale was sold short. And here comes Marcus Alonso. He's trying to play in Kai Havertz. And it's in! Tottenham. Brilliant delivery from Ziyech. And Tanganga headed it on to Ben Davis. And there was nothing Hugo Lloris could do about it. We created a lot. It was uh, very, very strong because it's so hard to create against Tottenham, what we saw over the last games. But yeah, in, especially in second half, we created a lot and a lot of big chances to have a third or fourth goal. Chelsea 2, Tottenham 0 in the first leg of the League Cup semi, then even more comfortable for the Blues than the scoreline suggests. Um, Liam, will, will Tottenham be waking up quite relieved this morning because it probably should be out of their reach? Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, it was staggering just how bad they were and how uncompetitive the game was, given that Chelsea's team had you know more than a slightly makeshift feel to it. Obviously, a different system, which Tuchel pretty much admitted after the match that he'd been forced into by player availability. Tottenham had most of their key guys on the pitch. They they were playing the system that Conte has put in since since they arrived. And they just never got a sniff. Um in fact, you know, they were forced to change formation themselves, Conte abandoning the 3-4-3 at half time. And they they just didn't really get near Chelsea anywhere anywhere over the pitch. And I, it was really really Really, really surprising when you think about what usually is riding on these games, the the kind of adrenaline that's involved. You would think that alone would have ensured a more competitive match than we got. But I think you also have to give, you know, the Chelsea team that was out there, you have to give them a lot of credit because they swarmed all over Spurs. Probably the formation that Tuchel picked had an element of surprise to it, given that he's just gone with a back three every single game since he took over. And they... You know, they popped up in positions that Tottenham weren't expecting them to. They kept winning the ball high up the pitch. It felt like, as Conte said afterwards, it felt like Chelsea won every duel. And they got a little bit of luck with the goals as well, of course. Um, It wasn't Chelsea's most clinical night, but Tottenham took care of that for them. And they're now in a very commanding position in the semi-final, albeit, as he said, you know, it could have been completely over. 
Four at the back then, Sam. And, and as Liam says, it, Chelsea have been so wedded to this 3-4-3 under Thomas Tuchel. They, they obviously didn't have much time to prepare for it. The, the reason uh, Tuchel said they changed was because of uh, Thiago Silva testing positive for COVID, as did Kante, who were both s- supposed to start this game. I guess for a player, if you've got a, a last-minute change of formation, the thing you want is an incredibly meek opposition who aren't going to put it under any sort of stress. So, so it meant that they could they could kind of bed into that new system for the first 20 minutes really for the first 90 minutes yeah definitely and it was interesting that this change came up against Antonio Conte considering how successful he was in a in a similar shape during his tenure at Chelsea and I I remember back to that first season that that glorious title winning season when I think only only Tottenham really caused Chelsea major problems in the two games I think Alonso got Chelsea out of a little bit of trouble in the Wembley fixture. And I remember the game at Stamford Bridge, similar personnel really, Kane, Son, would have been Ericsson on that night. Um, and they kind of just stayed so high, the two wide players for Tottenham. And it was the first time the two Chelsea wingbacks had really been troubled. So I don't know if that would have come into Thomas Tuchel's thinking, but I thought it was really interesting that he he opted to change, something we've spoken about on the podcast many occasions, last night against Spurs. And, yeah, in every department they were better. Um, Tottenham were really limp in attack. Um, I think Harry Kane just had the one shot, wasn't it, from the free kick that Saar gave away. His one mistake. So even the kind of the gambles, the players that haven't been really at it, Saar, Sal, Ziyech, all full, full marks for them last night. They were all superb. Yeah, Saul is the focus of Simon's post-match piece for the Athletic, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod to go and sign up and read it. He's, he's finding some form at the right time, isn't he, Liam? Because as Simon points out in the piece, Chelsea probably not going to rely on Ross Barkley because they're trying to get rid of him this month. So they do need cover in that area, particularly if they can't get Gilmore back. And we don't know how long now Kante's going to be out for. Yeah, and, and you know more than anything else, Saul is a natural six, whereas Barkley, you're shoehorning him into that position and you're kind of accepting any defensive deficiencies that might come with that. Um Saul has been a liability, you know, for for a lot of his brief Chelsea career so far, regardless of where he's been put on the pitch. He's looked off the pace. He's looked below the level of intensity required. Um, and that's why I think this Tottenham performance was so encouraging because it was, it was, I know he's shown signs of improvement in the last few weeks, but it was a, another big step up, I thought. He worked really, really well with Jorginho. All action, you saw him putting a few crunching tackles in. Um, you know that's the that's the school of Atletico uh, making itself known, but he's you know he's we know he's he's got great quality on the ball, very intelligent player, um, got Chelsea on the front foot, and um, and just did all the little things to to keep them ticking over in that middle of the pitch. And yeah, I mean even if Kante weren't out with you know in the COVID protocols right now. Chelsea know that they have to manage him at this stage of his career, that injuries are always going to be a, a, something to consider. And Mateo Kovacic is not going to be able to play the way he did against Liverpool every three days. Um, so you're going to need quality players to come in and soak those minutes up in, in the central centre of midfield. And if Saul can be trusted, that's huge for Tuchel. Sam, I won't get you to name names, but I'm sure you played with players in your career who had periods like Saul has, particularly when they come into a club. In Simon's piece, he talks about how Kepa and Azpilicueta have helped him out. 
is it easy to be a good teammate in, in situations like that? You, you kind of got to be a bit selfless and, and just put your arm around people, I suppose. I would say not everyone's um, like that, to be honest, Matt. Um, I Obviously through, you were. Yeah, yeah, I tried to be. I tried to be, but you're so focused on your own preparation and your own performance that it is difficult, I suppose, to look out for others all the time. Um, I experienced real difficult spell when I first went to Ipswich. And if it wasn't for some close allies in the, in the group, I probably would have folded um, very early on during that period. Cause it was a really tough few months, you know, couldn't score for love nor money. Um, you know, when people are on your back, you, you need the support of the people closest to you especially moving to a new country. I was only moving two hours up the A12. So um, you, you need to rely on, you know, those friendships and uh, and people to get you through. And, and whatever's been going on, um, he's certainly got to grips with the league now. Um, he's got to grips with the country now because his performances, even that Wolves display was, was excellent. He's more purposeful with his passing. He's not as safe. He looks more athletic, uh, looks more aggressive. So every component that's needed for that position that Liam just spoke of, um, he's doing the business now. But but yeah, of, of course, I think you know we've been. I think it comes into the conversation when we're speaking about Lukaku's problems as well. You know, yes, he's been at the club before, but he's still uh, readjusting to being back in London, not with his family, and you know everything takes its toll. Well, that leads us on to Lukaku then, Liam. There was a smattering of boos at best, I thought, inside the stadium yesterday. It really wasn't too noticeable when, when his name was um, read out. What did you make of the the apology video that, that Chelsea published, what, a day or so after we recorded our pod? To the fans, I'm sorry uh, for the upset that I caused. You guys uh, know the connection that I have with this club since my teenage years. So, you know, I t- totally understand your, your, your ups- you guys being upset. Obviously, it's up to me now to restore your trust and I'll do my best, show commitment every day on the on, on the training ground and in the games, trying to make sure that we win games. And yeah, also, you know, to the manager, I apologise and also to my teammates and the board because, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it was not the right moment also. And, uh, you know, I want to move on forward from this and make sure that uh, we start winning football games and that I perform for the team in the in the best manner. A remarkable exclusive, first of all. Um, all credit to Chelsea for managing to to get the the, the player at the centre of all this. Um, no, I, I mean it, it was you know carefully managed kind of PR apology, wasn't it? Um, and I, I I understand why Chelsea did it. I understand why Lukaku uh, was was happy to to do it because it was. It was necessary given the the reaction that his initial interview had provoked with the fan base. Um, I think they all parties just wanted to draw a line under it before he had to walk out in front of a Stamford Bridge crowd. That was particularly crucial. And so the interview just kind of, you know, served a purpose, allowed him to say what he needed to say and, and everyone to to move on. I you know, I think Lukaku came back to Chelsea talking about wanting to to be the heir to Drogba. I mean, that was certainly what he said first time round as well. Drogba gave his fair share of uh, dodgy interviews, um, which people forget now because of, you know, his Munich heroics and all his best moments in a Chelsea shirt. There were a couple of times where he said he wanted to leave at bad points um, and bridges had to be built. So this is nothing new. Um, and I think Lukaku can can come back from it just as easily. He just has to get back, get on the pitch, score, 
be a part of important successes and fans will warm to him again as long as he doesn't put his foot in it with with what he's saying. Um, as for his performance uh, in the game, I thought he was okay. Um, the fact that Chelsea were able to get a lot more bodies around him, I think, made him look more consistently dangerous. He still wasn't super involved in, in hold-up play, but he didn't look quite as isolated as he has done at times. He he had a great, a really good chance early on, which he bizarrely tried to pull back to Kai Havertz when he could have shot from an angle. Um, I th- I feel like maybe if he wasn't trying to be such a such a good teammate in that moment, his natural instinct would have been to go for goal. And then he missed a really golden headed opportunity in the second half, didn't even a brilliant ball from Ziyech. Um, so that's ultimately going to be you know what gets him back into Chelsea fans' good graces. He has to put chances like that away and he has to be aggressive in those moments because that's what this team needs him to be. Do you think Chelsea are playing to his strengths, Sam? Do you, do you think that, that that was a point well made in that regrettable interview that, that, that maybe they do need to try and get him a bit more involved? Yeah, I think so. And I think Liam's, I think Liam's right last night that, I mean, he didn't have a, a load of touches, did he? I mean, the first half, I think Sky said that he had four touches. I had a little look this morning. Um, who scored website's been a bit kinder. I think they've given him the centre, um, the, the the kickoff, and they've given him a couple of touches <laughs> when he was flagged for offside, etc. Because I thought I thought he was really poor in the first half. Um, Liam spoke about the, the big moments, obviously, very early, and then the header which he, he fluffed as well. Um, there was one in the... He had some space to run into. I thought that was a problem last night because Tottenham was so deep. So if he if he was going to have the opportunity to do what he did against Aston Villa, it would have come very, very late in the game because of their quite... They're quite pragmatic, aren't they, Spurs now, the way that they set up. So a lot of it was in front of them. And obviously the goals came from the one pass that went in beyond. But I thought in the second half, definitely more involved, more of a focal point. And... You know, if you look at everyone in the squad that's available uh, when they're fit, you'd still want him in there because he's your best chance of getting a goal and he's the best chance of being able to get people um, to just set little balls back to, etc. So need him firing, need him firing quick. I'm not entirely sure exactly what's gone on, but um, it's not something that he can't turn around. I've got confidence that the supporters will be with him once they start going in again. Uh, Liam, before we move on from this game, what was more bent out of shape, Tottenham's backline or Kai Havertz's finger? <laughs> oh, it looked painful, didn't it? Um, he just can't can't really get a break. I thought he started the game really well. Um, and it seems like every time he's he's threatening to look like the player he was at the end of last season, something throws him off, whether it's COVID or now. Um, digits getting bent in the wrong direction. I mean, Tuchel said afterwards that he played through the pain for a bit. I hope that doesn't make the injury worse. But you'd think, you know, as long as they can... As long as they can mend that finger, um, they can put him in, in a position where he can probably play games through it. So it shouldn't necessarily be something that, that sidelines him. Um, and I think that's good because he, he in particular looked very good moving around Lukaku. You know, I've always thought that, that Havertz was quite well suited. He showed that in Germany as well to playing around a fixed number nine, someone who can take the the bruising from the centre-backs while he just sort of drifts into spaces and, and occasionally runs beyond them in behind. I think there's the beginnings of a nice little partnership there or a nice little chemistry and the only way they're going to improve it is with minutes on the pitch together. So 2-0 at half-time then. The second leg takes place on Wednesday of next week. We'll be all over that on next Thursday's pod. Next today though, it's FA Cup time. <laughs> 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Saturday, 5.30 UK time, eight times FA Cup winners and last year's beaten finalists, Chelsea, get their latest cup quest underway. They welcome National League leaders Chesterfield to Stamford Bridge. First time they've met since they did so in this competition in 1950. Chesterfield's only win against Chelsea came in the very first meeting. That was at Stamford Bridge in the old Division 2 back in 1905. Uh, Believe it or not, listener, we don't have a vast knowledge of Chesterfield other than they are currently top of the league in flying. So I've asked the boys to pick a Chelsea starting eleven for this game. Um, Let's go position by position, I think. Who have you got in goal, Liam? I'm just relieved that you didn't ask us to name the scorers from those games, Matt. I thought that was the start of the quiz. <laughs> Soccer base didn't list them, so no, you, you've got away with that one. Um, I think this would be a good game to to give Marcus Bettinelli a run out, wouldn't it? Especially given that you know Mendy's away, Kepa's going to be getting a lot of Premier League and, and Carabao Cup action. Seems like a good moment to keep the third choice goalkeeper involved, so I, I'd go with Bettinelli. Same for you, Sam? Yeah, I've got Bettinelli as as well. I, I'm not sure there's anyone from the, I'm probably going to say this a few times this morning, anyone from the under-23s in that position really knocking on the door. So, yeah, it's a great chance for Bettinelli to get some action. Uh, yeah, if, if you're not familiar with Marcus Bettinelli, he play, did play 42 times in the Championship for Middlesbrough last season. So um, he's not a jump by any means. Uh, defensively, Liam, you're sticking with four. You're going back to a three. Who's making it up? I see my my logic for this team was was not picking players that I don't know are fit or I'm not reasonably <laughs> confident will be fit. So I I don't I'm not reasonably confident they'll have enough centre backs to play a three. Um so I think they should stick with four. Not least because it looked quite good going forward against Spurs. And at left back, I was wondering, keen to get your opinion on this, Sam. Um I know Lewis Hall was on the bench against Tottenham and he's kind of a you know, guy who can play up and down the left side. Do you think he could do a job at left back for this game? Well, I understand that his natural position is central midfield, but he's mm. been playing as a left wing back um, quite often. And he's been so impressive, Liam, honestly. And he, he wouldn't be in this squad right now if he wasn't kind of the backup for Alonso. And yeah. if anything was to happen, he'd, he'd surely come in. So I don't think it's his preferred position, but from what I've seen, incredibly athletic, very modern fullback drives past people, lovely left foot. I know he's young and you don't want to throw him in when he's not ready, but he would definitely be probably at the top of my list in terms of who maybe deserves an opportunity in this game right now. Well, and and we have to bear in mind through all of this, don't we, that they've got the next two games after this are the second leg of that semi-final against Spurs and then Man City. So if you're going to rest Marcus Alonso and a couple of other senior guys that you don't really have experience replacements for now is the time so you got you putting Hall at left back then 
Who else is in your defence? Um, centre backs are, are, are quite tricky. I was I was inclined, unless we get an update, you know, later in the week from Tuchel saying that Christensen's fit or Chalibur has returned. Um, I was inclined to go with the same two centre backs, Saar and Rudiger. I thought they were good. They were, they were a good combination. Rudiger seems to be in very good physical shape. He's not looking leggy at this point, so I think he can probably get through it. Yeah, I think you need one adult in that defence mm-hmm. um, just to keep. Well, uh, even even a slightly impetuous one in Rudiger, um, just to kind of keep things ticking over. I think Saar works better next to a more experienced head. So, if if Christensen's back, maybe you could you could say that he comes in for Rudiger and you keep it fresh that way. Yeah, I went for a three, Azpilicueta, Saar and Christensen. But given Azpilicueta went off with cramp last night, maybe that's a bit of a stretch and Christensen's injured. Um, Sam, who did you go for in defence? I've gone for a three as well, Matt. And yeah, just sticking with with the well, Saar on the left-hand side, um, hoping that Christensen or Trevor Chaloba's fit to play on the right with, um, with Rudiger down the middle. But um, yeah, again, if there was someone um, knocking on the door... From the the academy, I'd you know probably put them in, but the two I've seen, Alfie Gilchrist and and Brody Hughes, have probably been the picks in that department. I think seventeen and eighteen respectively, and and obviously just playing their first kind of year in development football was probably a bit too early for those two guys. And MB Amber as well, um, the the Dutch centre half, but he's taken a bit of time to get going this year. Got a few goals recently. Um, and his defensive performances have been better, but I don't think he's someone that's probably been involved training with the first team. Yeah, he's um, he's the the lad they got from Barcelona, but he got a pretty serious injury, didn't he? And he's kind of struggled to work his way yeah. back since then. Um, you going three in midfield, Liam? I am. Did we do right back? Uh, oh, I don't know. Who did you have? I mean, I just defaulted to Azpilicueta because he's a machine, and I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know who else to play there. I don't. I don't think he's 100%, um, but I'm not sure there's a there's a perfect choice for that position. I know, um, you know, Xavier Simons played right wing back, didn't he, um, a couple of weeks ago, but I've already got designs on playing him in a different position. So I was thinking about Azpilicueta for right back. Okay. Is, is Simons in your midfield then? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was thinking about playing him at the base of a three. I um, feel like that's closer to his his natural role. I want to see what he can do in a midfield in Chelsea's first team. And I was going to play it. I was going to flank him. I don't know why I'm talking like this is actually going to happen. No one listens to me. <laughs> um, I was going to flank him with Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, just two more experienced heads um, to be like the, the, the box-to-box eights um, and give Chelsea a bit of thrust going forward. Uh, I've gone for three four three, Sam. So I've got Callum as right wing back, Harvey Vale, left, Saul and Loftus-Cheek in the middle. Can you give me any advance on that? Uh, well, I've got Lewis Hall playing uh, left of the four. And then the other three are identical. So I've got Hudson-Odoi in the, the, the graveyard uh, shift again. <laughs> but he's grown accustomed to that this year. So just to get everyone in the team, unfortunately, he's going to have to play wide right for me. Uh, what's the rest of your midfield, sorry? Oh, same as mine. Saul. Yeah, Ruben and Saul, yeah. Uh, I went with the front three of Ziyech, Sunset Bell and Werner. And I'm looking at that and thinking that's definitely not going to happen because Lukaku will start here, won't he, Liam? He needs the minutes in his legs. 
Quite possibly. Um, I mean, he's not in my team, but again, no one at Chelsea listens to me, so <laughs> I'm sure he probably will play. Yeah, there's a delicate balance for Tuchel to strike, isn't there, between getting players into rhythm and making sure other experienced players aren't overexposed ahead of the rest of this January. The the front three I went for um, was Harvey Vale and Callum Hudson-Odoi kind of playing off of Sunset Bell. Um, I think that'd be a really exciting... I think that, that would get Chelsea fans' juices flowing in a very FA Cup third round kind of way. That to me is what the third round is all about. Unless you happen to draw a huge team, it's you want to see young guys and particularly exciting young players going forward, trying to combine and and do something special. Uh, Sam, if you're Thomas Tuchel, are you doing a Paul McCartney and saying, hey Jude, you're in the team? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'd have him on the bench. Um, Big weekend for him, Swindon Bourne, I believe. Manchester City mm. Friday night as well for his um, his boyhood club. Harvey Harvey Vale on the right for me. Ross Barkley has not been mentioned. He's going to be uh, just slightly left, and Werner down the middle. Okay, all right. Well, let's see how many of those we got right. I mean, they'll probably all get injured between now and, and Saturday. Let's hope not. Either way, we'll react to Chelsea five, Chesterfield nil on Monday's pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team were supposed to resume their WSL season after the winter break on Friday, but the game against West Ham has been postponed. Uh, The men's under-23s play Leicester on Saturday. The 18s are at Aston Villa. And some breaking news for us, but not for you, listener. You'll know this already. The first team Premier League game at Brighton has been rescheduled for the 18th of January. Uh, The original date was postponed because it clashed with Chelsea's involvement in the Club World Cup. Right, next today, it's quiz time. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
FA Cup third round is the theme this week. Three questions each. Liam's already got his head in his hands. You're going first, Liam. Who scored the first goal of Chelsea's FA Cup campaign last season in the 4-0 third round win against Morgan? See, the problem is the FA Cup third round every single year falls pretty much on my birthday. <laughs> so I'm usually hung over when the game's happening, um, which doesn't help my memory. I'm wondering if I can remember anything about that game. It was under Frank Lampard. Yeah. Listen, you've got it already, haven't you? Last season, 4-0 Morecambe. Um, this is Timo your easiest question Timo Werner it's not right I'm afraid Sam can you steal it definitely not um, Tammy Abraham oh it's good but it's not right it was Mason Mount um, right. right Sam your questions are pretty difficult I'll be honest back in 1999 Chelsea won 2-0 away at one of your former temporary homes Oldham how many of the 16 man Chelsea squad that day either have or previously are working for the club in a non-playing slash coaching capacity since they retired so I say since they retired Gianluca Vialli was the player manager at this point so not Vialli how many others in the 16 have either yeah have coached Chelsea essentially or been working at the club in some capacity since they stopped playing okay 99 yeah yeah um, Tor Andre Flo that's one John Harley nope Carlo nope I'll just give you a number then shall I yeah pick a, pick a number if you get the number right great pick if you a get number. All, all the players you get a bonus point uh, Andre Carlo uh, Di Matteo is correct yeah I'll give you um, six. Oh, he's got it spot on oh my god <laughs> come on uh, um, I'm not going to give you the bonus points you've already had a couple of incorrect guesses Liam do you want to do you want to try and guess any more Eddie Newton Eddie Newton is incorrect okay um, oh, um, yeah, there's one. Go on, then. Franco? Yes, yes. The six were John Terry, Jody Morris, Gianfranco Zola, Andy Myers, Roberto Di Matteo, and Torre Andre Flo. Well, we're having, we're having John Terry because he's been he's in not, yesterday. He's not technically for worked for them yet. He's just returned. He tweeted a picture of the training ground. That's good enough for me. He's oh. only just got his security pass. A couple of Which bits is an of NFT, toast. I'm told, yeah. Um, right, Liam, this is your second question. In 2010, Daniel Sturridge scored twice in Chelsea's 5-0 third round win against Watford at the bridge. How much was Sturridge ordered by a judge to pay US rapper Killer Flame last month as a reward for finding Sturridge's lost dog, Lucci? I will take the answer in either dollars or pounds. You can probably tell from my expression I've not been keeping up to date with with the the latest episodes of of Daniel Sturridge. Uh, I'm going to say... Sorry, is this for finding a dog? Yes, Lucci. Right, okay. 
Sturridge put the reward out, basically. This guy found it, and then Sturridge didn't pay him for ages and ages, so it went to court, and the judge ruled in killer flame, not his real name, uh, in his favour. We including legal fees? No. <laughs> okay. I, if you can tell, I'm playing for time. Um, $10,000. It's incorrect. Sam, would you like to steal? Two and a half thousand. Thirty thousand dollars was the correct yeah. answer. Twenty-two thousand four hundred pounds in English money. Uh, it cost Daniel Sturridge to get his dog Lucci back. All right. So uh, Sam is one nil up. Here's your second question. On third round day in two thousand and three, Chelsea laboured to a one nil home win against Middlesbrough, not helped by Carlo Cudicini sending off midway through the second half. In the Borough team that day were two players who would go on to play for Chelsea. Name them. Jimmy Floyd. Incorrect. I'll give you three guesses. Um, that's the other way around, isn't it? Um, the I love it when Liam does a look off into the distance as part of his thinking strategy. You can't see it, listener, but it's uh, quite satisfying. Looking into the light. <laughs> yeah. To see the Middlesbrough teams of your... <laughs> Gonna have to rush you, Sam. I can only see Zenden. It's a really good shout, but I'm afraid it's incorrect. Uh, Liam, would you like the opportunity to steal? I'd love the opportunity if my <laughs> if my mind were amenable. Um, it's two good guesses, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's really they were very harsh, good guesses. It? Yeah, but can a good guess ever be that good if it's wrong? No. Not for me to say. <laughs> oh, there's, is there a goalkeeper? That's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, got it. Damn it. Yeah, you, you can't get the point, but tell us then, Sam. <laughs> Mark Schwarzer. Mark Schwarzer was one. The other was Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy? Been, yeah, I think we'd have been here for a long time. Hang on, Jeremy one. played for Middlesbrough before Chelsea? Yeah. So the question was, would go on to play for Chelsea? Who played for Middlesbrough? No, I, thought, I thought that happened the other way around. <laughs> uh, quickly goes on Wikipedia to double check. Uh, Jeremy's career path. It went racing Bafusam, Chero Portinho, Genchero Brigley, Real Madrid. Then he had a loan at Middlesbrough before he moved to Chelsea right. later that year. Uh, so no I was going to say, there's there. no way Middlesbrough bought him off, uh, Real Madrid bought him off Middlesbrough. <laughs> Uh, okay, final question for you, Liam. Of the 11 that started Chelsea's third round replay against Norwich at Stamford Bridge in 2017, how many are currently listed as being out on loan on the club's website? Bonus point for naming them all. So give me a number and then the individuals if you want to get two points, which would give you a chance gonna, of winning. I think there are going to be quite a few, aren't they? I was at this game, a game that was notable only for Antonio Conte. Well, we were still, this was the game at Stanford Bridge, wasn't it? But we were still reeling from Antonio Conte calling Jose Mourinho a little man and a fake <laughs> at Carrow Road <laughs> week before. Um, That's some good stalling. I'll tell you also that Morata and Pedro both got sent off in this game. <laughs> Neither of those are currently on loan from Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to say Bashwai. You've played yes. in that one. Bakayoko. Yes. Um, Drinkwater play. This is very good. You've only got two more to get. I'll give you three um, guesses to get these two. 
Baba Rathman? Incorrect. Got to be perfect yeah. from this point. <laughs> Something I rarely am, Matt. <laughs> uh, Lucy can edit out this long, this long pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she does most weeks, though. <laughs> I, work, I generally work on that assumption that she's going to clean me up and make me look coherent. Uh, I don't know. There's no more names coming to me. Uh, Sam, there's no points on offer here, but um, yeah, who do you think? Um, what about Emerson? No, it's good, but it's not right. Um, the other two were... Hang on, hang on. Okay, okay. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How long can I stall for? Um, did I you mean, say Bakayoko? What's that? You said Bakayoko, yeah. What did you say, Matt? You've already won, so you have oh, a right. question to go. No, I don't um, know. So don't I'll know. tell you the other two. A couple were, of young lads. Ethan Ampadu and Kennedy. Yeah. There you go. Clue it when people go, yeah, yeah, after you tell them. Yeah. That's a I said you're a young lad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam, this is your final question then. This, this is just to really rub it in Liam's face. In 1994, Chelsea needed a replay to see off Barnett in round three, eventually triumphing 4-0. Which of the goal scorers that day tweeted the following on Christmas Day? That's Christmas Day just gone 2021. Uh, the tweet read, The Queen, what a great woman. Hashtag Queen speech. <laughs> Queen, what a great! Is it not a short list? Okay, um, I saw. I think I saw a tweet from an ex-Chelsea player, <laughs> and it wasn't this one. But I'm just going to go with it. Gavin Peacock is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that this quiz has been so uncompetitive that I had to give Sam a guard of honour before his final question, and then he got it right anyway. <laughs> Two deal to Sam. There's a little tremendous for the rest of the day. Uh, very good enjoyed that a lot uh, right before we go Chelsea content available on The Athletic includes the aforementioned Simon Scribe Saul piece uh, Dom has taken a look at Chelsea's debt to Roman Abramovich which has recently topped £1.5 billion athletic.com slash Chelsea pod the place to go to read those Liam when are you back on duty is it is it as early as Saturday or have you got a couple more weeks here I'm back on duty on from Friday um so Chesterfield will be my first match attending in 2022, but in about f- four months. Um, so I'm yeah, looking forward to that. And I don't quite know what I'll be working on yet, but I'm sure it will be a lot of different things at the same time. Uh, Sam, you're going to one of the other big cup ties this weekend, aren't you? Friday night down at the county grounds. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, Swindon, Manchester City on, on Friday and then um, Tottenham, Morecambe on Sunday. So... I think I've got a few academy games in the pipeline coming up and I'm going to be covering the Manchester City game as well uh, against Chelsea. But yeah, on scouting duty this weekend. Yeah, that'll be handy because Chelsea playing Spurs again and City before too long. Uh, We'll be back on Monday to run the rule over the Chesterfield game and look ahead to the second leg of that Spurs semi. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.